0: It's an 87th Precinct bonus episode. This is the bonus episode for our podcast all about the 24th book in the 87th Precinct series from 1970, a Jigsaw. The story of a jigsaw. More or less, really, wasn't it? That's true.
1: There was lots of numbers in that introduction, I noticed.
0: Was there? I try not to think too much about what I'm actually <laughs> saying. I'm just trying to keep the words separate. Books,
1: years and precinct numbers.
0: Nobody can say I don't do my research no. and deliver the facts. No, well, what we like to do in our bonus episodes is to look at the original editions we and do. our own editions as we well. Do. So we'll look at the original editions first, and I'm I'm we showing do. we do
1: more than just look at
0: them. Well, you know, we'll get to that. The, on display. This for, is my
1: favourite bit. This
0: for my my friends here is the American editions and the UK editions. I will also try and share some of the international ones on the Instagram and stuff like that.
1: My favourite there, uh, top right and bottom left. Okay. I'm really liking that bottom left one with the, uh, a man sprawled out with yeah,
0: jigsaw pieces. that's pretty cool. All it right. is unsurprisingly they're all based around the notion of jigsaws. This is true. I mean,
1: it's funny how none of them have a picture of like a handheld <laughs> saw for cutting <laughs> like out, a, like
0: like a black and decker jigsaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's almost like it would be totally irrelevant. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't. As put, like many of I, the covers. I, yeah, also. <laughs> yeah, Very I would put across them. So <laughs> in in terms of of what we've got, here, the original Double Day edition is just a big black jigsaw piece with the word jigsaw dripping blood as part of the base of yeah. it. Yeah, it's,
2: it's pretty cool. Kind of striking,
0: minimal nice? bit of design. It is quite nice. Whereas the original Signet edition is it's quite busy. It, it is. It does have a painting in one little segment. It's divided into segments, not jigsaw segments, but squares and rectangles. Uh, it does have a little sort of pulp style painting of a lady in a very see-through top. You can see a nipple
1: I couldn't see that. That's not the reason why I <laughs> thought that that was great.
0: That's O's favourite. Oh, no, I just
1: like the uh, a the nipple, mad puzzle the was a bonus. master. A mad puzzle master challenges the men. The eighty seventh precinct, eighty uh, seventh, and the stakes are death! Exclamation mark. Mad puzzle master. I, I missed that bit. He yeah. does say that. It I does. Know no, he does say I, that. But very bad eyesight. I
0: don't really think he is a mm. mad puzzle master because there is. Well, there's no mad there's, there is no master. individual puzzle um, master.
2: I'm now envisaging some kind of scenario where some some guy in some kind of wacky outfit, <laughs> kind of like the
1: Mad Hatter, you uh, see? turns up. I riddle you. Yeah. I'm in, I, I'm in like uh, afternoon Channel Four, like the welcome to Puzzle Master.
0: <laughs> We've three contestants here, each have the same jigsaw in front of them. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do they have all the pieces? We'll find out on tonight's, uh, t- this afternoon's, Puzzle Master. Fake audience applause. Fake audience applause. Yeah. Excellent. Who would it be presented by? I don't know. Matthew Kelly, maybe. Bob Monkhouse. Know. Henry Kelly. No, no it Kelly. Be, yeah, Monkhouse's <laughs> league. Be below that. I mean. Yeah. Well, he was um, a king. Anyway, yeah. <laughs>
0: Sorry everyone. Back to the back to the books. But yeah, the Signet edition is is this sort of grid type thing with mm-hmm. little sections including a dead body, the lady in the translucent top, a face and some oh that's the legs of the man. Then the Hamish Hamilton edition jigsaw has the S done as a dollar sign. Mm-hmm. And then there's a piece missing from a jigsaw which is mm-hmm. a man laying sprawled out on the floor. Either that or he's falling from a plane, you can't tell you so you don't have the context. And the Pan Books edition, the original Pan Books edition, is a red background with a jigsaw, a stack of money, or rather a corner of a stack of money, but it's a jigsaw piece shape. that has been cut out of it. That's
1: like ours, isn't it? And
0: funnily enough, we it's, all have Pan editions similar? that use exactly the same notion. I think it's the same image. Yeah. It might look. Except I think it's a different angle. Let's have a look. I think it's a different angle. Oh, I yeah, bet you can't wait to get to our Instagram. Oh. We'll have a look at this.
1: It is. I suspect that's the same mm. thing, but um... it's
0: the same notion, anyway, but we... re- reshot. I think. Mm. Mm. So I will share those, and I'll share some other ones that I found. If we describe our editions of the book, it sort of goes for all of us because it's like one of those rare occasions where we all have the same edition, more or less. Mm, yeah, mine does have the extra words An eighty seventh precinct mystery under the name McBain. But perhaps Steve would like to describe his his edition, and that would stand for the rest of us.
1: It's got the gold McBain across the top, horizontally. Classic. And and it's got a jigsaw piece made out of a stack of $1 bills placed on top of a snooker table (laughs) in a darkened
0: room. He's extrapolating uh, somewhat, but... Well, it's
1: not. it could be a snooker table. It a gr- a green surface. Maybe a bit too emerald colour for a snooker table, maybe. Uh, but anyway, a green background with green notes. Just a fairly, a fairly small text in the A-team font of Jigsaw. <laughs> and it just says, Jigsaw. It, it does, yeah. And then on the back, I think they're all the same, the usual blurb on the back there. From the Scotsman and
0: the New York yeah. Times. Yeah, it's always the
1: Scotsman, isn't it? it? must be forever reviewing
0: books. <laughs> well, I think that's, it's a good review. I, the, I can understand why they use this on a lot of these pan editions. It says, and the quote is, McBain's so far ahead of police procedural writers that it's virtually a one-horse race. Hyper-readable, witty, credible. And I think that's, yeah, that goes for most of them. Mm. Mine would have, these are all pan editions, by Although, the way.
1: Although, by 1970, your you middle... Uh, Beck series aren't you so that's very true wouldn't, well yeah. wouldn't be a one horse race in my view
0: perhaps the Scotsman wasn't reviewing books from Scandinavia well that's so it nice. you
1: know I bet they were diff- you know well, they may were, not were they, be- they even translated mm. they probably weren't anyhow Should we get to the most important thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> can't wait driving oh, straight in <laughs> there straight in. ferocious mm. musty like a, a classic old book smell classic so that, that was
2: for, for our listeners who didn't get to see that was Steve was oh, just diving straight into his own edition There, beak
0: first right into do, the middle uh, do you want to uh, have a
2: go at mine there we go
0: ooh
1: yours is <laughs> a lot lighter smell uh, lighter oh there mm. we go
0: oh go on Steve get Delicate the complete the set
1: ooh yours is relatively odourless mine's definitely mm. the winner tonight
0: today well, there is a mystery, though, on my... That... <laughs> I had laced mine with a certain amount of dust. The mystery on mine, though, is that there's a sticker for the, the bookseller W.H. Smith mm. and on the front of my edition, and it is a small green sticker, and it lists the price as 29 25 Now, no book in the 87th Precinct range has ever been sold for twenty nine ninety five? Certainly not in pounds, anyway, not pound sterling. So we don't know what that refers to. No. It's, 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 it's no unit marked on it, so it could be a different currency, but it's a British edition. Well, yeah, and it would have to be uh,
2: another country that has WH Smith, so I'm not sure yeah. if it, any listeners can shed any light on
0: that, that would be marvellous. Because it should have been one pound ninety five in the shops. So, unless Smiths were really <laughs> ramping up their <laughs> exclusivity at the time.
2: Mm, Thatcher's Britain. Yeah.
0: Thatcher's Britain, indeed, yes. Mine's probably an 80s edition. Steve O's doing a forensic analysis now of the different colour, yeah, I mean, colours, yeah. covers. Blimey, what's <laughs> right. going on?
1: Mine's in the best nick
0: there, actually.
1: Mm, it Justifying its £3 purchase that's price. It, yeah. <laughs>
2: Mine quite faded and does appear to have had quite a lot of coffee
1: spills on it over the years. Probably mostly by me. I was going to say. Right, excellent. Well, book Huffing, done done. for another Uh, another month. A highlight to many people.
0: (laughs) Everyone is satisfied. They can rest easy now. They can. But the main thing we've got to discuss on this bonus episode is our new feature about casting the 87th Precinct. Oh, my Lord. And last session, we discussed about setting the 87th Precinct TV series, fantasies TV series that we were inventing in the 70s, and perhaps working through. Yeah. And we determined that we were going to start by trying to cast the head of the detective division in the 87, Lieutenant Peter Burns. Well, it's a tough one. So the description of him in the book is that he's small and compact with a head like a rivet. I'm not entirely sure what that means. I think, does it mean a flat top? A head like a rivet? That's kind of what
1: I've always assumed. I was thinking just
2: kind of a a bit of a square head and
1: close-cropped hair and... Mm doesn't mean Benjamin Button, which he could small and...
0: <laughs> yeah, compact as in, yeah. As in
1: tiny. Continually reducing. Like the dungeon master in... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> ah. A bit like that, and, but yeah. bigger.
0: So he keeps emerging from behind a rock. Yeah. <laughs> and and then, then, just as
1: the, <laughs> then just as the critical moment arrives, he, like, f off somewhere. Oops, oh. oh, sorry. You? And you've got he a... Went, he's gone know. explicit. Yeah. You've got to deal with the fallout. but well, they always manage it, didn't they, to be fair? Uh, but anyway, a little bit like the Dungeon Master.
0: <laughs> so if you want to imagine him in Steve-O's mind, he's wearing this long red cloak, or short red cloak. He was only a little fella. But there's another description of him. I mean, obviously, there's lots of description okay. of him over the years, but there's sort of little hints like he's got quite thick hands covered in liver spots, which is a suggestion of age. He's got white hair that's thinning and he's starting to go bald somewhere else. sort of back of his head somewhere else. Go uh, bald something. somewhere else. <laughs> Ball. <laughs> Ball. He's bald? That's bald at home. home. <laughs> bald at home. Not at work.
1: I thought he meant somewhere yeah, well. else as in terms of...
0: <laughs> Sorry. Just for, We're talking about that. If you've looked List, at... Like,
1: listeners don't want to hear about that, Paul.
0: <laughs> I've extrapolated a lot there. It's, it's irrelevant I mean. to casting that. <laughs> Well, in terms of people who've played him already, I have shared already on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter a little compilation of some of the people who've played Burns or the Burns-equivalent character on TV and film, of which...
1: It's like they've just rounded up a load of people at a bus stop
0: and <laughs> cast like, them all to like,
1: in various... Um... Yeah, so no help at all, I would say. No, it the, wasn't... The history of casting of Pete Burns has been um, disappointing, I would say.
0: Mm. Yeah. Although so we're here to correct that, though, aren't Funnily think. enough, the guy who played him in Fuzz, Dan Fraser, probably, perhaps a bit too wiry, but mm. not far off, I think, perhaps what McBain was imagining. So we did solicit suggestions from the people of the internet and the real world attached to the side of it, mm-hmm. So our pal Bill Slocum on Twitter sent us a couple of suggestions, and his two suggestions were perhaps if you were casting from today, J.K. Simmons. Oh, oh, that's a good noise from Morgan there. Yeah, that could be good. So I've I got could a photo that. of J.K. Simmons there. So have a look. That's. Oh,
1: yeah. Okay, we, do we? we get to vote on this? we are voting tonight, not, aren't we? He it hasn't right. got the shape
2: of head, I'm imagining, no. but I think his manner, I, I think, would
1: be great. Right, Oh yeah. Yeah, he's right. been... Okay. I
0: mean, he's done loads of cop shows as well. He's yeah. doing some, you know... Like Whiplash and Juno and Spider Man. Oh, he's like. be-
1: he's he better than
2: the one I. Came he's with? He's, right, he's, I don't know. Uh, he's pretty terrific. I could I could see that. Yeah, right, okay. And another
0: one of, of of Bill's suggestions was if we were casting from anyone in history was a chap called Jeff Chandler. I mean, I, I looked at the list of films he was in, and I must have seen him in quite a lot of things. But he did quite a lot of westerns. He was one <laughs> of Universal's main leading men. Okay. Um, he was in Broken Arrow with Jimmy Stewart, things like that. So. This is the black and white chap here.
1: Mm. All right,
0: okay. Yeah,
1: yeah give him a crew cut. Yeah. yeah, you could see that.
0: I think so, I think so. So very good suggestions there from, from Bill. Our friend Stella. Hi, Stella. Gave us... Well, Stella did what I did, which was... I always imagined Pete Burns to be a bit stocky, a bit bigger. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I stocky is the word that I would use to describe him as. Ages
0: that's ago, that's I think... Through. Stella suggested, like, Vincent D'Onofrio, presuming that's how he pronounced his surname. and uh, Now, he's massive. Uh, he's he, Orson uh,
1: <laughs> Welles. <laughs>
0: unicron. <laughs> um, you know, commanding presence. Uh, and, and there is a, I think there's a bit of a history in TV and film of the different type of, of di- lieutenants you have. The people in the office in cop shows are very often, you know, the idea is they've got behind a desk, they've got a bit big, but it's got a sense of power behind it. Uh, which certainly Vincent D'Onofrio would have had. But she's, on uh, looking at the description in more detail, she's called that back and given us a couple of suggestions, which I don't think are too bad. One of which is Ed Harris. Oh, well, Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I can see that, yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, Michael Keaton was another one. I've not got a picture of Michael Keaton oh. because everyone knows what he looks like. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he's about the right age. Yeah, no, I, I could see that, yeah. That's... And... Also, and this is a, I think this is a little bit of a sideways one. I would never have thought of this Kevin Klein hmm. now Kevin Klein, who most of us know from a fish called wander yeah. in this country anyway, but if you look at him sort of now, he's about the right age he's. He's not far off, sort of. No. You know. he's, he's I mean, probably
1: more accurate to McBain's description descriptions, but rather yeah. than what I got in my head somehow. Yeah, I, I, I can see that it could
2: work, but I, I don't feel like he's he's got kind of hard enough features somehow.
0: No, no, he's he is a bit, he's a bit cheeky, isn't he?
2: Yeah, I think um, he'd be more of a kind of. A, a sort of captain who's sort of uh, ridden through the ranks behind a desk. I don't think Pete would he respect could be, him. He could
0: perhaps be uh, in the in line to be Captain Frick. Yeah, I, just, I could see that now. Yeah, there we go. I've got a couple of suggestions as well. And my suggestion, now I am terrible with names of people. Me too. And the moment I started thinking about who I would cast, I couldn't think of a single actor who'd been in anything. <laughs> in fact, I would barely think of a human being. Mm. But I got round it. By deciding that if we think that the minimum height requirement for the police was five foot eight yeah. in these books, anyway, because doesn't Hal Willis just it, it meet? just edges in yeah. and he's referred
2: to as small, so yeah. I don't know if. Uh... So
0: if, if Pete Burns is referred to as small as well and mm. compact, we want someone who's about five, eight, if we're going to be really strict to the books. Yeah. And I found a couple of examples who then I sort of went, oh, actually, that's not bad. So my first person I'd like to present for your. Approval, or consideration, that's better, is Gary Sinise, who is probably best oh. known as Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump.
1: Yeah, what oh, go Sinise? So
0: there's a picture of him here.
1: Yeah, no, that that's... You want to see that picture, Steve-O? Yeah, no, I could maybe go with I, I, that. I
2: could see that. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see a picture of him where he's not looking quite so cheerful.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I have to. But no, I think he'd be good. I also thought possibly Stanley Tucci as well. Yeah, yeah. Stanley Tucci. The thing is, Stanley Tucci, he's a very, very good actor. I mean, he's been in some atrocious films. Yeah. I mean, I love Transformers as a concept, but those films are abysmal. (laughs) Except Bumblebee, which was very, very good, but Stanley Tucci wasn't in that. But he's about the right age, he's about the right size, you Mm. know, and he's, he's probably someone who could convey what you needed to convey. Yeah. But my ultimate suggestion, although I think he's a Getting on for a tiny bit old. Sorry, I'm apologising to him because I'm sure he listens. Is David Patrick Kelly, who has been in Twin Peaks, The Crow, Last Man Standing, and uh, the John Wick films? Mm. Let's have a look. Yeah. Here looks a bit ill. <laughs> well, that's not a great photo. <laughs> yeah, he's,
1: he's not my idea of Pete Burns. No, I think he's.
0: I think that photo doesn't do him justice. Mm. He, he's. He's. He's quite compact. Yeah. Yeah, so he's my suggestion anyway. Right, okay. So, come on, you give me your <laughs> thoughts.
1: Well, I've got three, all of which you will not like. Oh, dear me. Uh, well, I mentioned Bruce Willis before.
0: Oh, when we were chatting mm. off Yeah, my... I
1: think what he looks like now, I think bald head, very get, If you could bullet... get him
0: to grow, like, yeah. what hair he does grow back yeah, out just I slightly.
1: Think, I think he might do the trick. Mm. I also thought of, and I, yeah, I can't really find a photo which depicts what I imagine him, but perhaps uh, thought of Ernest Borgnine. I thought he might. <laughs> Once upon
0: a time, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Classic uh, era uh, Ernest Borgnine. That's more like I naturally imagined, even yeah. though he doesn't necessarily meet the thing, but he sort of does. Yeah. That yeah. thing of being compact. Yeah, I know what you mean.
1: And then if you could cast him against type... Roy Kinnear as well.
0: Hey, now... Whew.
1: so Now,
0: my dear partner, when I was talking to her about this, she was talking about British actors, the first person she said was Roy Kinnear. Seriously? Mm, yeah. So our American chums may not be so familiar with Roy Kinnear. Uh, but, I don't know um, how big the Three Musketeers was over yeah, there. Yeah, that's probably the... Or you could possibly even get Rory Kinnear, his son. Well, like, yeah, I thought about him. yeah. About the same size and shape. There is a good tradition now of British actors becoming important parts of American TV shows, you know, like the Hugh Laurie tradition of, yeah. of House. So a lot more besides many, many other examples of of that. So, yeah, if you're doing fantasy casting, you could certainly cast Roy Kinnear. If you were doing reality casting, Rory, Rory Kinnear is probably too young still. Yeah, he, but, he is still, yeah. But one day he could, be, he could be the man. A Kinnear in the role would be... Hmm. Yeah,
1: good. so anyway, they they were mine, Borg9, Kinnear and Willis. And always up for anything with Borgnine, 9 so that's that's marvellous. That's an um, amazing
0: combo of name, Borg9, Kinnear and Willis. Sound like a firm of dodgy <laughs> solicitors, don't they? Fantastic. Uh,
1: so they were mine.
0: Oh, yeah, but what? What do we choose? How do- So are we,
1: are we voting? Um, have we got any further suggestions?
2: I've been pretty hopeless with this. I'm, I'm exactly like you. The moment I try and think of it, I can conjure up some faces, can't put any names to them, and, yeah, useless. Um, I, I, I was thinking, just trying to imagine him with with the uniform and, and a bit of a, a sort of thinning crew cut. Brian Cranston?
0: Yeah. yeah, he could do. Yeah, he could do. I think, I think Cranston will, will work his way in somewhere mm. into into our casting. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh,
1: oh, 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 oh. oh, we got to cast our votes then. I'm I'm going to vote for this chap here. who I'd totally forgotten about J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Yeah, I think that. I, I, I think like that, that's spot yeah. on actually. Yeah, you can I think I think you might require him to put a little bit of weight on.
0: He's five foot eleven, so he's quite tall. Well, you're,
1: you're all right. I'm sure we're built to.
0: We could CGI his legs out.
1: Or, or I quite like Borgnine myself.
2: Mind you, but by by the the standards of the police in in these novels, five foot eleven's almost compact. Because everyone else is about six foot two or three, aren't they? Yeah, they, they are. If, yeah. if if Hal Willis is tiny at five foot eight, then. I don't know. Sometimes the, the sort of choices that that don't exactly correlate with with the author's description can work pretty yeah, well. I
1: but, but but I like that. I,
2: I, I don't know if anyone thinks of the film adaptation of L.A. Confidential*, uh,
1: the James Ellroy book.
2: But I know Dudley Smith in that does doesn't look remotely like the physical description of it in the book. But mm. um, yeah, it comes across really
0: well. So I don't
2: know. why. Well, this I'm, is yeah, this I, is
0: it. We're allowed to. We don't have to be bound no, by the description. It doesn't have
1: to be absolutely slavish, does it? Because I think or, he needs to be. I think he'd be very good in terms of bang, bang, bang. Get in here, you know. Like, yeah. um, I think he'd have a, a good.
2: Yeah, he'd yeah. get the the sort of actual manner of Burns spot on.
1: Yeah, so of of all those, definitely him. I, it would get my vote.
0: And what I would say to J.K. Simmons is. If you're playing Pete Burns in the eight seventh precinct, you're probably on the call sheet for, you know, one day out of seven. Hmm. And that's all you have to it's quite an easy job. Yeah. Yeah. There might be one or two featured stories where you have to be in a few yeah. times a week. It's easy money, JK. Plus it's also made up money, so it can it can be whatever you like. <laughs> because we've just invented it in our heads. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's good. That's a good thought. I'm, um yeah, I like that. Well, I think prosu- possibly possibly. Oh, <laughs> Probably, possibly, pick a word, stick with it. Possibly, J.K. Simmons has come out on top. So f- for that, we thank our friend Bill Slocum for suggesting that. I would never have come up with that myself. It's no, a no, really no. good suggestion. That's
2: great thought, Bill.
0: Although his other suggestion, Jeff Chandler, while he looks cool, he was six foot four, and I think you're getting well beyond.
2: <laughs> yeah, you'd have to have everyone else standing on a box. I
0: think to. Yeah. Or you'd have to be in a trench. That's that's also true. That could work. Yeah, which can make for difficulty moving the cameras around.
1: Yeah, I think I think J.K. Simmons definitely.
0: Yeah, well there we oh, go. We we, should, we dealt with that then.
1: Proposed, seconded, excellent,
0: marvellous. We are quorate on that matter. Is that how that works? I think so. So Something we need like to decide that. who we're going to cast F- next. Oof.
1: Well, should we do squad alternate with somebody not in squad? Ooh, that could be interesting. I don't know if that's an idea.
0: Do you know what? Actually, I think probably we should stick with Squad this time, and I should probably try and write a list of (laughs) people so we choose an order. But I think given that we've just done Jigsaw, why don't we tackle Detective Arthur Brown? Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. I think that would be an interesting choice because he's an important character more and more so through these next few books, I think. Hmm. Jigsaw's really established him, so I think he'd be a good one. So everybody, get your thinking caps on. Who would you cast as Detective Second Grade Arthur Brown. Marvellous. Excellent. Okay. Will do. Right. Cool. Well, there you go then. I think that's probably the bonus episode over with. It actually had content that we intended to be in there rather than me trying to make something up.
2: It did, although we didn't do our other bit of uh, quiz of 1970. Oh,
0: let's conclude with a quiz. Because if people want to stop listening, they can stop listening now. (laughs) They, They can.
2: They okay. probably already
0: have. I'm sorry, Morgan. I was, uh, I was so tied up in, in worrying about knowing who people who've acted oh, in things no. were. <laughs> I, I forgot completely about what were the top 10 music singles of 1970 in America?
2: Not that I'm going to know. Um, Is Simon and Garfunkel again? With? Bridge Over Troubled Water. Well, yes, there you go. That's why
0: I wanted to do it, because it's the same in both charts. Number one, biggest single, Bridge Over Troubled Water, Simon and Garfunkel. Gone, Steve. Out, on. Oh. That is more or less the only crossover with yeah, the album I, chart I, of the UK. I was just
1: trying to think about those uh,
0: 1970 And the States. Mm. Mm. I like this. I like it when you've actually been. See, the quiz in the main episode we did quite well I on. Know. This this We've see,
2: completely flummoxed. This ourselves time now, you've I been mean.
0: reduced to silence.
1: Yeah. So, any like Marvin Gaye or? Uh,
0: uh, I mean, he would have
1: had records out around then. He's but just
0: before his massive flourishing of, of, of huge album stuff, yeah. isn't he?
2: It? Yeah. And if you
0: want to um, read my review of the newly released You're The Man by Marvin Gaye, then go to We Are Cult, where you can find that, and also my article about the return of Mr. Campion. Just go there and read my stuff. It's great. It's singles,
2: you see, isn't it? Mm. Like, it the albums are... are yeah, probably easier around this time. I don't know. Is, it, is it more towards the pop side of things or other people? I mean, we're in the... the it's definitely pop yeah. stuff. Yeah. Are,
0: are we at the Archie's yet? Not that pop. Rats. We've not gotten quite so uh, so sick, sickly sweet with the... Uh...
2: And we're past the point where you can you can confidently guess at Herman's Hermits in the Dave Clark
0: Five now, which is... Very sad. Well, I'll give you a rundown and you can chip in with your thoughts on the matters. So, as we've ascertained at least, Bridge Over Troubled Water was the biggest single. Number two was Let It Be by The Beatles. Uh. This isn't of the year, by the way. This is about the time of the copyright of the book. Number three was Instant Karma by John Lennon. Okay, yeah. Number four was a thing called The Rapper by The Jaggers. (sighs) I know nothing of. No, lost on me. Number five was "Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes" uh, by Edison Light. I, I tried them the uh, last time, didn't I? I oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> you were just—you right. need to recalibrate. You're a I year totally out. I clearly do, don't I? Dear me. Number six was "ABC" by the Jackson Five. Number seven was. So there's a silence that came after that. Was, <laughs> um, seven was a Holly's song. Um. He ain't heavy, he's my brother. He ain't heavy, he's your brother. <laughs> the, the Hollies. Was that 1970? Yeah. Oh, I,
1: would have, I would have well put it before them. 1969.
0: <laughs> Number eight is Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. Oh. <laughs> Number nine is Give Me Just a Little More Time by the chairman of the board. Oh, yeah. Give me just a little <laughs> more time. And all that. Yeah. That was an amazing rendition. That was wonderful, wasn't it? it, yeah. I have actually played that in a in one of my old band at a wedding. That was <laughs> we learnt that one. Number ten was the song written by Paul McCartney and featured in the film The Magic Christian. Is it uh, Come and Get It by Badfinger? It is Come
1: and oh, Get oh, It by yeah, Badfinger. Yeah. If you want it be It's a
0: great song and it's clearly McCartney writing it in about thirty five minutes. He produces his own amazing demo version of it, which has been released on the anthology and pretty widely available elsewhere anyway, bootlegged. And then Badfinger more or less cover that demo mm. note for note, just adding a, a bit more interesting harmonies and things like that. And then it becomes the the song attached to this film, The Magic Christian, which is one of the weirdest films. It's a very odd film. You never want to see. Never
1: seen it. It's a very odd book as well. Yes,
0: Terry Southern. Yes. It's... It's a film that's got a part for Ringo Starr that was just written into the film. It's not in the book whatsoever. Peter Sellers and Ringo Starr together at last. And oh, it's fair to say that I think possibly everyone involved in the production of that film did use recreational drugs.
2: One can certainly speculate that that may have been the case. I'm
0: not suggesting that that's the reason that the film is weird, because people can write weird stuff anyway. That's I don't subscribe to that. Oh, he must have been on drugs theory. But, it's,
1: but it's a weird book executed in a weird Very way. Very weird way. Yeah. I think the
0: execution of it, I think everyone was consulting the I Ching and marijuana most yeah. of the time.
2: Whacked out on goofballs.
0: That sort of thing. So, anyway, we snuck that little quiz in there just to annoy people at the end of this bonus Excellent. podcast. So, we will be back soon with Hail, Hail the Gangs All Here. And hopefully, I'm going to sneak in another bonus episode with an early sci-fi novel, so keep an eye out for that. And I will say Goodbye.
1: goodbye. Goodbye. Very well.